From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Ayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WisPolitics.com. He provides a roundup of what you need to know this midterm election year. Here's our conversation. Hi, J.R. We're back to Mondays. Thanks for joining us on Capital Notes. Oh, of course. All right, so the next round of state campaign finance reports are due tomorrow, but already we know that incumbent Democratic Governor Tony Evers raised $4.5 million over the 37 days in the most recent reporting period. That's nearly double the $2.3 million that Scott Walker pulled in during the same period four years ago as he lost his re-election bid to Evers. Any idea what this all means and possibly where Michaels is as well? Well, it, it underscores what a strong fundraiser that Evers has been. He's up to about $25 million raised between January of 2021 and the end of August. Now, uh, the governor gave us a press release on Friday with the overview of his report. Uh, they had $6 million in the bank in August. But we haven't seen the full thing yet to know a couple of key things. For example, how much the state Democratic Party give to Tony Evers during this reporting period. Uh, under state finance laws, political parties can make unlimited transfers to candidates. So, you know, we don't know if there's a big chunk of that from the party, but what we have seen is that Evers, even as he's gotten big money from the state party, has had a very significant individual donor network of his own uh, in raising that money. The second thing we're watching for is what Tim Michaels do in this period. Now, remember, this covers uh, late July through the end of August. It overlaps with the August 9th primary and the period when Michaels is trying to get his individual donor network off the ground. Recall during the primary, Michaels had said he was not going to take donations from lobbyists or PACs and was going to limit his contributions to 500 bucks max. After the primary, he said he would take the maximum donation of $20,000, but still not take uh, donations from PACs or lobbyists. So this is kind of a, a first glimpse of how his early fundraising did. And the early reports aren't great. They suggest that he was kind of had a little bit of a challenge get that off the ground. I mean, one of the selling points for Michaels in the primary was he had the personal resources that once the primary is over, he would make sure that he was taking the fight to Evers and not having to raise money from donors to get back up on the air. Um, we're not seeing that play out. Uh, Ad Impact is a group that tracks campaign ads. Governor Tony Evers and the groups backing him, they are outspending uh, Tim Michaels and groups backing him about three to one from last week through the election. That is not a great scenario for Tim Michaels if he hopes to beat Tony Evers. And does that sort of thing like, you know, cash on hand, finances, spending, does that always translate into, you know, success for candidates or not necessarily? No, I mean, if you look at the the whole 2018 campaign, Scott Walker outspent Tony Evers by a good healthy margin. The difference was, though, that Evers and the groups backing him were fairly on parity with Walker and the groups backing him in the final weeks. That's the, the key thing. It's not that Michaels has to be matching Evers and company dollar for dollar, but they can't be outspent three to one. Now, if the environment uh, suddenly turns way more Republican, I mean, it right now feels like Democrats are feeling better about where things are at. Republicans aren't talking about a red wave or tsunami, but more like maybe just a good year for them. You know, we'll, we'll see where that environment goes. But if it's a decent Republican year, you still are taking on an incumbent uh, opponent who is outspending you three to one on TV. That's it. That makes it tougher. If you want to take advantage of the environment, you have to be somewhere closer. And I'm not necessarily getting one to one, but like one and a half to one, definitely not three to one. If you want to have a better chance of beating Tony Evers in November. 
So also on the on the connected to the governor's race this week, Democratic Governor Tony Evers tried a new tactic to repeal Wisconsin's 1849 abortion ban. This law doesn't have exceptions for rape, incest, or the health of the pregnant person. It criminalizes abortion only to save the life of the mother. Um, and he's already called the legislature into special session to repeal the law and also sued to block it. Now, Evers called lawmakers into a special session on October 4th to create a new referendum process so that voters could overturn the law. He cited comments by Ron Johnson supporting voter agency. Legislative Republicans denounced the plan. What can you tell us about this and its political implications? Well, you know, Evers is looking at avenues to try and keep this issue alive. Um, Obviously, trying to get lawmakers to overturn the ban didn't go anywhere. The lawsuit is moving forward, but there's no promise of action ahead of November election. This is another avenue to talk about. Now, in, in asking people last week kind of reaction to it, there was some debate on whether this is the best avenue for Evers to keep this issue alive because, you know, he's the governor, he's got the bully pulpit, he can find ways to talk about it. And, you know, the, the Madison Press Corps has become somewhat accustomed to special sessions being called being gaveled in and out in the span of about 30 seconds in each house, and away we go. So this is likely to be a, a two-day story, the day that the governor announced a special session, the day it's gaveled out. I don't think it's have any lasting impact beyond that. Now, some people would argue that, look, the the base that's unhappy about the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court that has really jazzed up on this issue, they're going to see Republicans gavel it in and out, and it's going to fire them up some more because they're going to feel like the Republicans aren't taking this issue seriously or won't even have a conversation about it. So we'll see how it plays out going forward. But the issue is obviously having an impact. I mean, Tim Michaels on Friday went on uh, a conservative radio talk show host show and said he would sign a a bill that created exceptions for rape and incest, the state's 1849 abortion ban. That's noteworthy because he's been hitting hit on TV since late August by the Democratic Governors Association with an ad using his own words against them. Uh, Michael said in an interview that the ban, which, like you mentioned, only includes exceptions for the life of the mother, reflects his personal position. Um, he told a Dane County GOP event uh, earlier this month that he was not going to back off that position, and it would actually be a negative if he did. And here he is now saying he signed the bill. Now, he told Dan O'Donnell that the reason he would do that is because it's a democracy, and if the legislature sent him the bill, he would want to work with people on, on what's going on. The question of these things always is, is it going to help him with the people he's trying to attract, i.e. voters who are unhappy about the Dobbs decision and don't like the idea of a governor who doesn't accept any exceptions except for the life of a mother? And will it also irritate the anti-abortion base that's been behind him pretty solidly so far this campaign? We shall see. But he's not the only Republican across the country who is trying to take a softer stance on abortion post-primary. We've seen candidates across the country you know, scrub language from their websites, do ads that have like a softer language, you know, trying to betray them in a different light on the issue. It's just Republicans are ha- finding out this has got some staying power with certain voters. And the question is, does it outweigh issues like crime or inflation when voters hit the polls in November? Interesting. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um you mentioned special sessions. Governor Evers has called special sessions at this point on COVID-19, on gun reform, on education, voting, Medicaid expansion, and now several on the abortion law. What does it mean when the governor of one party is calling special sessions that just get gaveled in and out of with no action from the legislature? And really, what's the strategy here on both sides? And what does it mean for people in Wisconsin? 
Well, it's a reflection of the fact governors can call special sessions all they want. They cannot, however, force the legislature to actually take up anything or to act. Um, for Republicans, these are a nuisance. They've gaveled them in and out. They have not paid a price for doing that so far politically. There have been special sessions on gun bills, for example, like called red flag laws, you know, things like that. It doesn't seem to have any impact for them electorally. So without there being some kind of penalty, they're not going to really feel any heat about this. Um, you know, the governor, he's frustrated. He can't get his agenda done, which he thinks is a popular agenda. Also, he's not done a very good job communicating with lawmakers or trying to reach compromise with them. I don't know at this point that either side thinks they can reach compromise. But for Evers, it's part of trying to keep public pressure on the legislature and trying to keep the issues that he believes are popular alive and in the discussion with voters. Is there precedent to this, like so many special sessions and so much inaction? I've been here for 22 and a half years. I've never seen this many special sessions called in the span of a couple of years. Um, it's not, not been like this before, no. And a question about the lawsuit that we referenced earlier about to block the uh, abortion law brought by Evers and Democratic Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Call. Call has removed Republican lawmakers as defendants and instead has named district attorneys as defendants, district attorneys of Dane, Milwaukee, and Sheboygan counties. What's that all about? Well, lawmakers had moved to have that lawsuit dismissed, saying they're the wrong parties to sue. Their argument was, look, we create laws, we don't enforce them. You should be going after the people who actually prosecute things, i.e. district attorneys. And so that's what they did. DOJ was not getting anywhere with that lawsuit against the lawmakers. They had that motion to dismiss. They refiled against the district attorneys in three counties that had clinics that provided abortion before the Dobbs decision, uh, Sheboygan, Dane, Milwaukee counties. Now DOJ has gone to the court and said, hey, typically you get 45 days to respond to a lawsuit. They had served the DAs by Wednesday of last week. Do some math. That puts the deadline to even respond to the lawsuit in late October. Um, that wasn't going to make it get any action before the election. Uh, Call has now asked the court to shorten the window to respond to October 11th. Doesn't guarantee a decision prior to November either, but he's trying to get this thing rolling and joining action. And the argument in the motion that he filed is that this is a key issue for people about their health and we need to get a decision. Well, we'll see. We'll see when it gets done, but they're trying to move that along more quickly because it was filed in, what, late June? I think it was, and so far we haven't had a single court hearing about it. Well, Vice President Kamala Harris was in Milwaukee this week. She told Call that, quote, our administration has your back on that lawsuit to overturn the abortion ban. At the same time, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was in town to stump for Michaels last Sunday, and he told him, everything we've done in Florida, you'll be able to do in Wisconsin and then some. What do these visits really accomplish for the candidates? And are you expecting any more high-profile visits in October? First, as uh, last question first, yes, there will be more. We'll see a lot of circuits between now and November, especially, you know, with Republicans, if you're thinking about running for president in 2024, it doesn't hurt to go in there, Wisconsin, a swing state, just in case, you know, Michaels wins and you have an ally then in the governor's office come that primary in 2024, right? That's not a bad idea. Uh, but basically, these, these visits are largely about free media, you know, DeSantis up in Green Bay, ahead of a Packer game, uh, you know, Harris in Milwaukee, where Dems want to turn out the vote uh, in big numbers. Michael's campaign told me that they raised about $500,000 part of a fundraiser that was attached to the Santa stop. So there's a benefit there. But for the most part, it's about, you know, the free media you get from a, a high profile visit. 
And what's your understanding of Wisconsin's importance nationally at this point? Oh, I mean, really, it's this is kind of about looking to 2024, because who's in the governor's office um, is going to be a big deal for in terms of what election laws are in place come 2024, when we expect to be a swing state yet again in the presidential election, and it could come down yet again to you know, 10, 20,000 votes. And those rules are going to matter. Um, if Republicans get Tim Michaels elected, they will have a whole host of changes to election laws to reflect their frustrations with the 2020 election, how it's administered. If Governor Evers is still here, those laws aren't going to get passed. He has vetoed them before and probably veto them again. Um, she might have more court cases, more court fights over what, how our elections are administered. But it's really all about, again, looking forward to 2024 and how important we're going to be in a elect- presidential election. You know, on that note about voting laws and how elections are administered, this week the Wisconsin Elections Commission started the, frankly, lengthy process of reviewing the rules for election observers. It's an issue that's drawn concern for both Democrats and Republicans as both sides are recruiting partisan watchers to witness whether election workers adhere to the law this November. The process could change how election observers monitor polls. Do you have any insights on this? Yeah, so... State law on election observers is, is kind of sparse, actually. It says they have to be between three and eight feet. It gives the power to the local officials to remove those who are disruptive. But beyond that, a lot of the rules are created through the rules process. The election, Actually, the old Government Accountability Board in 2014, I believe it was, created a bunch of rules on um, election observers. For example, you're not supposed to be able to use a recording device in a polling place to tape what's going on. Those rules, however, expired. So the Elections Commission has provided kind of a guidebook to locals about how observers should be looked at, how they should act, what their standards are. They don't care the weight of law, however. So that leaves clerks kind of on their own to figure out what they want to enforce at the polling sites. They're going through the rules process to try and put those things back in place, figure out a framework for what our standards are going to be. And this is really important because you have Republicans who uh, believe there should be more access who were unhappy about, you know, 2020, feeling like they were too far away from the action to really see what was going on, those kinds of things. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the rules package looks like. Worthy of note, it's not going to be in place before this fall. The goal here really is about 2024. It takes about a year to two years to pass a rule uh, under Wisconsin's process, so it's not going to happen anytime soon. As always, thanks for the insights, JR, and thanks for joining me on Capital Notes. Have a great day. That was JR Ross of WISPolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Mayan Silver. Listen for our segments every Monday with an extended segment on Lake Effect and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.